to that fucking title <laughs> um things are looking really good at the moment i want to make sure people noticed um buys coming in on zephyr buys coming in on link um buys coming in on kujira so quite a few things are catching a bid and total three like i mentioned a minute ago is um flat to rising versus btc <clears throat> looking pretty sweet so i think we're going to be in for a pretty good few weeks and um, we can try to like get a new audience in here, throw some retweets and stuff. We'll see if we can find some folks that are interested in these things. Um, but yeah, I think like, um, I mean, just looking at just the alt charts, it's not just random. It's like there are certain altcoin trader whales that just go in and just buy fucking everything at once and just make, just paint everything. And um, I think Zephyr has gotten onto people's radar sufficiently enough. It's high enough market cap that it's one of those that, that um, sort of like these accounts are going to go just start pumping things. Um, yeah. So like, I think um, if you look at like last, um, uh, like back during uh, October, November, when alt started to first take off and total three started picking up, basically you had um, Chainlink lead the pack uh, I believe Rune was kind of leading the pack at the time. And those two basically have had the longest um, consolidation period after a run. So it wouldn't necessarily surprise you then that like if they've had the longest, the first peak and the longest consolidation, they're more likely to pop off first because they've already pulled back the most. Um, so, um, uh, but I think like at this point, the heaviest momentum for the larger cap things or the last season's coins is clearly link. Um, it has like a perfect chart versus Bitcoin at this moment. So even at, anything sub $20 essentially is basically cheap link. Why is that? Yeah. If you got in, like I did at seven to $12 in the bear market. Yeah. Lucky for me, but a lot of people don't actually show up during that time because to have gotten in at that time meant you, you sat around for a year and a half waiting. So, you know, I paid for in, in time, the extra gains I get from buying under 10 bucks, right? Like that's how that works. But if you look at how the crypto space generally works, you know, the 200 day moving averages of everything start to rise, you know, you get this momentum start to, to, you know, swell up. And what ends up happening is, is you have like the first spike, which is going to be your disbelief, like, or hope, you know, pump. And then you have this like disbelief sell-off type of thing. It's like the classic psychology chart. We sort of did that and kind of consolidated a lot of alts and things. And now I think um, whichever alts are going to be the strongest out of the packs are going to really like obviously pump the hardest. Um, my suspicion is, is that you want to be in a balance point between the things that have already run 
um, say for example, like Solana has run a lot already this year. Um, Fetch ran a lot. Akash ran a lot. Um, meaning like you got close to all-time highs or like a fib level below all-time high. So these things like already sort of ran. So you're looking for stuff that hasn't really pumped yet fundamentally. And um, if you look at sort of like a reasonable metric for that might be like how much down something is from the top um, and like where your position in terms of how many fib, fib retracements remain before all-time high. And um, I think like the sweet spot um, among a lot of coins in the top 100 really has been chain link for a bit. And, uh, it's like one of the big projects. It's one of the ones with a lot of it. It's going to get a lot of attention. They're doing a ton of media stuff yet. However, despite all of that, like very few people seem to have bought into link because I don't know, maybe people didn't understand, or maybe they just faded or, or maybe they figured who knows what, I have no idea. Most people, I just think don't know don't know what link does now and it does a lot more than 2020 without rehashing all that shit for everybody the bottom line is technologically it's like among the most superior things in the crypto space and uh, ties real world assets and they're working on stocks and banking and a bunch of other connections so they're kind of like they do all the things xrp wanted to do they do all the things that ibc uh, cosmos wanted to do they do all the things that um scale the crypto ecosystems and make them interconnectable basically an infinitely scalable layer zero is what ccip is and um uh and it's doing sort of like what solana wants to do in a sense because like they want to be scalable and they want to be fast and this gets you all of that sort of layered zero activity so Chainlink has kind of like that sweet spot but it's hard to explain to people what it does people just think it's a simple oracle still or some other thing they just don't realize like they've reached the point where they have been building with DTCC and Swift and whatever, like truly world-changing um, capabilities. And I think um, it's undervalued relative to even where it is now. People, the, the market generally works in that like, once the market pumps and has its first run, that signals the beginning of sort of the bull market. Um, you know, sometimes you'll get a bear market rally or something like that. But, you know, in this case, we had like a year and a half of sideways action. So this first pump had an 80% likelihood um, in the altcoin space of being a um, like a true, you know, disbelief style rally where everyone's like, ah, I'm not really sure if we're really in a bull market, you know, that kind of mentality. And um, uh, at least for altcoins, and that doesn't fully make sense either, just because BTC has already retraced almost back to like two thirds of its all time high, right? Like it doesn't make sense that people would be that bearish. But um, the money flows into the alt space have been relatively modest, um, you know, relatively speaking. And I think we still have just a way long way to go. Like, I haven't seen almost any newbies in here. I haven't seen any, like, it's all just old guard people hanging around um, who've been here for the last couple of years and, or, or more. And, uh, and you don't have, have the people going like, oh, how do I make a wallet? Or, you know, like, how do I, uh, where do I go buy this thing? And, and there, you know, you don't you get a whole lot of newbie questions. Um, if you're like, oh, yeah, go to Mexi and use a VPN and get yourself some Zeph, they're like, all right, sure, whatever. They go grab themselves some. It's it's basically crypto native still. Um, and um, I, I think we have just a long, long way to go as far as like the next coming year. Plenty of room to run. And Chainlink specifically, you know, the last time we were at um, this like 18 to $20 level back in uh, early 2021, um, you basically saw a run to $53 within three to four months. So I kind of painted on my chart like a 120-day 
um, sort of box. And basically that box, and um, you can look at my um, tweets from today. Um, the last couple that I put up, you'll, you can pull those up. But the box basically shows you 120 days between now and $53 chain link is what I'm guessing. And, um, you know, these are bigger market caps, so it takes a little time. But I think the probability of reaching, you know, these, these you know, because like the next fib up is like $21. We're at $19.12 at the moment. So the odds that we're going to hit that and maybe see a little bit of resistance there and pump past there, you know, similar to how we did at $12. We had like maybe, I don't know, like a week or so of consolidation at that resistance and then at that fib and then kind of pumped forward. I think that's what's likely to happen. We'll probably go to like 3165 maybe consolidate there between $31 and 21, maybe like bouncing up and down for a period of time. And I think that probably will become the bear market floor. The 21 to $32 is my pick for like the bear market floor for next season for like where you buy next season. So I think we're still at a point where like we're below next year's bear market level, in my opinion, as far as, um, you know, like, is it too late or not at this point? I think the answer is no. So um, I think the last bag I picked up on, on this was like $15 range um, in pretty substantial amount, actually. Um, but anyway, um, just, you know, judging by where this is going, I think, yeah, we're thinking like, I'm thinking 53 by maybe like 120 days. And then maybe by, um, uh, you know, probably by the end of year, we're probably talking about breaking that one, 102 level. Um, and it could just simply just straight up run. Like if you look at how ETH behaved um, in um, the last bull run, I think like we're at cycle two for length as far as like, you know, really, really serious upside potential. Does it go to 140, 234? I think my target is somewhere between 140 and um, 234 by some time in 2025 is my guesstimation. Um, and, you know, unlike a lot of projects where you're like, I don't know if it can do it, whatever. Chainlink actually has the potential because it is um, like heavily marketed, heavily under like you know it's like very very prevalent. It's on every single exchange in the world. It's on every single you know Ethereum leveraged thing you can do, and so it has every like pumpamental possible, including you can get real world media covering it. You can get um, other companies that incorporate Link covering it other blockchains that incorporate CCIP covering it. Um, so you just have like a canvassing of like information that's going to be hitting all the time on social media with Link compared to most other projects. So I think that's a very, very um, interesting um, sort of play. And then also ETFs potentially. Um, so really like uh, Chainlink's one of those few chains that is legit enough that you could see um, an ETF being created that includes that. Right now you have like um, Grayscale Bitcoin Trust has um, Link on it and it runs crazy. Like it runs like 5x multiples above the actual price of Link, which is weird. But um, it trades way above NAV all the time. And so there's definitely some like stock market interest in exposure to Chainlink for some reason. And why those people don't just go and buy it on, you know, on an exchange, I'm not sure. But, you know, people pump it to high heaven for no apparent reason. And um, I think it's highly likely that people get exposure if there's eventually a ETF. So the same way like Bitcoin and now Ethereum soon are probably going to have an ETF. Um, I think Chainlink, if 
if anything's going to get an ETF in the future, probably Chainlink. And one of the reasons is because the SEC has never gone after them for anything. Like, even though technically I think Chainlink is a security, like it's like the most obvious security in the world. They, they have a, it's like basically ICO type of thing. Um, by the time they reach seven years, they're beyond the statute of limitations for that, for starters. But even on coin, when Coinbase was sued by SEC, they did not include Chainlink in that. Um, they didn't include Chainlink in that um, suit. So that's interesting in that they've been always kind of shielded. And I think part of the reason for that is because they're the ones working with Swift and DTCC. So they're, they're, they're actually in the background working with all the big players to incorporate their various systems. So it wouldn't be a surprise that, you know, somehow or another, the CC, uh, SEC felt like they were a legit blockchain thing, even though they were a security, and they sort of left them alone. Whereas, like, with XRP, they kept fucking with them forever, right? Like, um, that was an interesting, um, you know, kind of, like, history there where somehow or another Chainlink went unscathed for some reason and didn't face the SEC's ire. I'm not sure why that is. Anyway, but, like, um, Link at this point, I think, is still uh, not, quote-unquote, too late. Um, so if you don't have any, a small bag is probably reasonable. Um, it's still at a level where I would like be comfortable telling my family and friends that like, you know, you know, it's still relatively early and that kind of thing. Um, I think most of the crowd simply does not know what Chainlink does. And therefore, um, like it's a lot of people are going to be late to the party and a lot of smart money folks are going to be buying in size at these levels. So even like the hedge funds and whatever. They don't always get it at the very bottom. They get in when they feel like there's acceptable flows and momentum and whatnot where they feel like there's enough um, cash flowing through it that they can have some exit liquidity and whatnot. So this is kind of, to me, like what might be con considered a sweet spot of momentum confirmation, but still really, really early. Um, it's like the very first pump of the season kind of thing. And um, got a long way to go versus like, I don't know, Solana, which has had, um, you know, like a 5X or something from when it was like 20 bucks. It already went to like 120, I think, for example. And it hit like the last fib up to its um, prior high, which is awesome. Like if you held, held Solana like my brother's family did, then great. Um, you did wonderful. But if you're getting in now, like are you better off with Solana or Link in the large caps? Uh, I would say at this stage, it's like clearly Link as far as, multiples are concerned um and also like is solana or Chainlink any less safe as far as an investment i think both of them are pretty safe meaning like they're both not highly probable to go to zero or something right so as far as like blue chip style safety things if you had to pick between the two to me it's like obvious that link has more upside um without question more upside than something like ethereum um, you know, Ethereum may grow over time as like a blue chip, but again, like most of the upside has been juiced out of that last season. And, you know, if you had, you know, Ethereum down at like, you know, hundred bucks and you wrote it up to 5,000 or something, then, you know, you did really well. If you're getting in now and you're buying Ethereum at 2,500 and, you know, what, let's say it, I don't know, do you really think it's going to 10 X? I'm not so sure about that. That would be like, you know, the thing would have to be worth like two and a half trillion dollars or something. Um, so it just doesn't seem like likely. Um, so I think like multiple wise, something like Chainlink is good in the sense that you're at now like a 10 billion market cap. XRP is like a 30 billion. So, you know, if Chainlink 3X is 
um, no sweat. It doesn't look too bad as far as like market cap numbers. If um, you hit like BNB numbers, which I think is very, very likely, um, Chainlink's a superior project to BNB at this point. So I think like with uh, the fading of CZ and, you know, some of the fading of Binance a bit um, and some of the trust in Binance based on all that shit, um, like Chainlink is the more sort of like obvious legit play. And the odds that it takes flows into, you know, taking Chainlink to number three um, or number four, like pairing along with Solana is fairly high. Like if you look at the, you know, possible things that could reach those levels, um, Chainlink is one of the few things this season that could sort of make it to that size. Um, I like I'm not so sure that you're going to get this out of a meme coin anymore. I could be totally wrong, but I'm doubtful of that. And the reason is because like everyone knew that you were supposed to sell Dogecoin at some point, right? Like, so like you're supposed to sell at the top. So all of the meme coin folks, not only are there like tons of them, but also on top of that, um, you know, are you going to get a meme coin go to the top 10 again? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, in, in that, like there's dilution. There's so many meme coins that so many people are piling to various different things. Everyone's not piling just into like a Doge this time. And, um, you know, so that kind of brings you to like what else is out there that has the capabilities in the in the blue chip level coins, you know, to really, really pull um, a 10x from here with a reasonable safety where you can get in with size and not feel like your money's going to go to zero. Things like, you know, Solana's things like um, Chainlink are kind of at the top of that list, I think. Um, now, you may be only talking about three to 10x's between Solana and Chainlink, right? But it that's still pretty good if you have to get in with low risk. You don't have to like run a lot of, uh, you don't have to run uh, leverage or anything else. It's like spot bags and chill, and just ride the, ride the volatility and you know to Valhalla or whatever um, should be fun. So anyway, but uh, so on the on the high market cap, um, Chainlink's still a good pick. Um, if you haven't picked up your Zephyr yet, um, definitely at a, a great pricing right now at like seventy five percent retracement off the top. I love it because it's um, you know it's an it's a low market cap Monero fork with a uh, stable coin baked into the system. And um, it's essentially super, uh, you know, value per buy level at this point at 35 mil market cap. So it's just super, super micro cap level. And I think it's awesome because um, like, it just like brings out the original cypherpunk type of behavior in me, you know, like this is sort of like what we're in crypto for. Um, you know, the Moneros, it, like if you don't like, if you're not in at least one privacy coin, like what the fuck are you doing in crypto anyway? Like that's, that's, re that's the reality. Like you're just a poser pretty much as my, like in my mind. So you should have yourself a little bit of Monero. And by the way, Monero's charts looks, chart looks amazing. And they've already mined all their coins too, by the way. Um, so like, it's essentially like just tail emissions now. So very, very low supply coming into the thing. So if you, if you believe in the, you know, store of value narrative then Monero's technically got at that stage, just like BTC with basically minimal uh, coins entering the market. Um, so that's another interesting play. But anyway, Zephyr is kind of a, um, a smaller cap version of this. So if Monero is like a 3 billion market cap. Zephyr is a you know 35 billion-ish market cap right now, maybe 40. And um, it's it's got a lot of potential upside. It had a high of like 53. $53 or something or $51. And it came down to right now it's at 13 ish. Um, it bottomed out at about 
10, 20 or something. And that represented like an 80% retracement, which is beautiful. So you want to see that? Like when I was riding this coin up, I didn't actually sell it on the way up. I knew that like it would go up and then it would come down and do some things in between. Didn't worry about it at all. It's just normal proof of work um, price action. Uh, there's nothing special at all about it. You don't have to worry. Like, oh, my bag's going to zero and all this fucking nonsense. Like, yeah, you're like, what are you like a pleb? You new here or what? Like most of the people here know what they're doing and know to just wait. You just chill and um and just add to your bags at the bottom if possible like um bring your cost basis down a bit more and um you know basically in a bull market dips are for buying bottom line like you know you go along you pick up the dips when you can and um even on the way up like so for example let's say mm, zephyr runs to 400 next um which is like a 1 billion market cap um let's say it does a giga run of some kind and um and then it dumps back down to $100 well, $100 is cheap again at that point, and uh, you could buy it $100 again. So it's like each of those, you know, impulsive moves um, will have a big retracement. And as you go higher and higher, the retracements might get less deep. Um, and the more bullish the market is, the less deep those retracements get on a percentage basis. And then usually like at the end of the bull market, whatever the whatever altcoin you have will have a tendency to re retrace like you know, 90% or more from the top. So let's say, like, let's say, you know, we go to, you know, $3 billion, let's say something absurd. Um, we make it to $3 billion, like Monero's market cap, then, you know, you know, dropping down back to, um, you know, a market cap of a couple hundred million or, or even like 300 million still puts us ahead of the curve in a sense in that if you're early enough, you don't have to time shit. And the reason you have to time anything is because no matter how high it pumps, no matter how high it dumps, your, your basis is still lower than that. And that was the beauty of buying like chain link at $7. It doesn't matter what happens to it. Now I could, it could basically go sideways for eternity. I'm, I'm ahead like a two X already. Right. So it makes no difference. So that's the beauty of being really, really early is that nothing else matters and everything else is just like you're sitting comfy and enjoying the ride. I think that's where we will be um, before too long here. So um, timing wise for the micro caps, remember Zephyr rode its, to its high, like by, I think like early November. And it kind of began its run like in October, right after Chainlink, right after Rune. And it sort of coincided with like just a bunch of buzz on YouTube and stuff. The exact circumstances don't really matter. What matters is is that a pump happens, a bunch of new users show up all at one time. They pump the token price like crazy. You never know how high it goes, but the higher the better because the higher the price goes, the more attention you get. And you want it to dump, and, and that's what it did, and that's normal. So it dumps off. It pulls back 80% or whatever. You know, you know, I thought maybe it could pull back just to 50%, but it actually did a full 80. Okay, whatever. Um, it goes down. Um, your bag looks terrible. You know, maybe if you bought higher, you're in the red or whatever. But um, but what ends up happening is is usually there's a cyclicality to this. Like so, the things that sort of pumped first, which was Chainlink, is now pumping again um, because like if you look at how the chart paints out, the consolidation takes a period of time, right? Like to make the chart look decent and have some moving average start to like catch up and maybe like have things flatten out a bit. It takes a while, right? And that time that it takes um, is usually on the order of several months. And that's why you get these kinds of like um, pullbacks that are approximately that time frame. Because uh, everyone's sort of looking at the same thing and we're all human and we all sort of like have similar 
behaviors. So what you have there is basically um, all of the microcap stuff is due to pump after Chainlink does. So if Chainlink runs now and it runs, you know, like for the next several weeks, um, I think the rest of the microcaps follow. Because um, what will happen is people will be like, oh, look, people are getting rich on Chainlink or whatever it is. And then they'll say, oh, look, people are getting rich on Rune. And then, they'll, oh, the people are getting. So then everything just starts pumping again, as you guys know, and everyone's in a good mood again and all that shit. But like the, the point is like you want to get involved early before everyone's in too good of a mood because um, you know that time comes over and over and over again, right? Like crypto Twitter comes down quite a lot when the uh, when prices are down. <laughs> You'll notice how like there aren't a bunch of NFT spaces running right now. There's not a bunch of like uh, altcoin spaces that much running right now. They're kind of muted. Um, and even Chainlink, like you'll notice, like there's not that many spaces about it going on. Like nobody gives a fuck. Like it's just really actually weird. Um, you'd think there'd be a lot more talk about it considering how important it is, but that's how you know you're early. I mean, even, a, you know, I have a link in the title here and we don't have like 500 people in this room like we do during bull market time. So you know you're still early um, because if that weren't the case, like there'd be, I'd have like 300 followers every hour or whatever, like during the bull market. That's not the case now. So I think it's super early still and um, link particularly you want to grab it before the breakout from the BTC um, on the BCC chart that I posted. Let's take a look at that. Um, if anyone wants to hop up, chat, um, feel free. I'm just sort of doing a little monologue thing here, I guess, uh, making sure everyone caught the, uh, like, caught Link before it mooned, essentially. Um, I think it's very, very close because the Link BTC chart looks beautiful and um, looks primed for, like, a giga breakout to me. Um, yeah, easy measure move to, like, a 2x from here, I think, would put us, like, in the 30 to $40 range pretty quickly. But uh, uh, there's Muhammad here. Let's see if we have any questions here. And another thing is too is like a, most of the uh, YouTubers and stuff are sort of like you know, latching on to Chainlink right now as well, and always go where the YouTubers go. If if everyone's posting content and pumping the shit out of it, you know it's about to run. Um, because like after these YouTube videos get posted, they don't get watched immediately, right? People watch them over a period of two to three weeks, and then you get this you get this big run related to the pump. And the other thing you have noticed on the chart is the volume is relatively low with Chainlink's climb to $19. That's important. So you'll usually see um, very high volumes when there's like very high selling pressure at the tops and you'll see this big volume spike. And then like in capitulations, you'll see big volume spikes. But in the middle, you really run pretty low volume and that's good. You want to like, it's not good to necessarily have a ton of volume just yet. Um, you want, you know, like the volume in crypto usually signals the blow off top of whatever recent move, um, you know, especially if you hit like a fib resistance and, you know, market makers have like a bunch of sell orders or people have a lot of sell orders in that location. You'll see a lot of volume, but I think we're not quite there yet. And at the $21 fib, um, you have relatively low volume history on chain links. So I think there's a good chance we blow by quickly the same way we did $12 where we you know maybe we spend a week here at 19 to 21 dollars and then like you know float around there for a little bit and then run unless you know btc takes a dump or something or something you know else happens but i don't think that really matters because if you look at how the link btc chart looks what will happen if btc drops is link could actually stay stable relative to that and then the it actually could rise on the link btc chart even if btc falls so that's how altcoin dominance like strength looks. 
and you can just basically do link um, BTC and like find the Binance pair, for example, and you can see that chart. It looks really um, beautiful with a nice, um, basically has like an inverse head and shoulders sort of look to it with over a period of about a year. Really looks beautiful. So like, yeah, if anybody who's going to mess with Chainlink, uh, do it now or forever hold your peace. Just don't don't bother buying it later. Um, like, cause I'm going to dump on you eventually. Um, so the reality is like, it, I think it's reasonable under 20 bucks. Um, and I, and I'm comfortable telling friends, family that after that, like, you know, more power to you, whatever. Some people like to trade on momentum and shit, you know, like if it's running, they like to just put some leverage on and play the momentum game. Like some of our friends do, but like I tend to do spot. I tend to prefer it's the safety of that. And I like to pay a bunch of extra fees. And I have enough money to where I can do that too. So at size where it's like, you know, that's just my, my, my thing. Um, but yeah, so I don't recommend sort of like playing too much with leverage and stuff. Chainlink is notoriously um, volatile. It'll drop like 30% in a month, 40%, 50% a month. Um, if you go look back in 2020, it went to like $20 and then seven, right? And we're, we're at $20 now. So it gives me a PTSD from those moves back then. Um, if you were back in, there here in 2020 buying Link at that time. Um, but the point is like you, you get like really, really deep, uh, retracements and, um, you, you have to be comfortable with those. And I think as long as you're comfortable with a bag, that's like, um, a good project, um, then you can ride it out. I mean, I've been holding link for a year and a half now, almost, or no more than that now, almost two years now, um, since I picked it up after the FTX crash and been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. So like, um, you know, it like, you know, you can fucking wait three months or whatever, like for, or wait six months for it to moon. Um, be patient. Um, I've waited mo longer than most of you for most things probably, um, for, for things to really, you know, ride up. So I think patience, all you need with Chainlink. Um, I think it's all you need with Zephyr in particular. Um, if you have a bag and it's gone red a, a bit, my, my Zephyr bag is red at this moment. I bought a lot more at like 17 and 20 and 27. So here at $13 or whatever, I mean, I originally got it at six bucks or whatever, but like my actual bag average is most definitely in the red. I must have, I must have an average like 17 to 20 at best. So I'm in the red too with everybody. So it's not a big deal. Doesn't bother me at all. It'll be fine. Um, it's got good hash rate. It's got good fundamentals. A lot of cool stuff is coming, and um, this coming month for Zephyr, there's going to be, um, uh, I don't want to say for sure because I'm not the one developing it, and I have no idea what the exact timing is, but Zephyr Swap is coming out um, in the next month or so, and there's going to be some interesting things with that in that like, there's going to be tradable Monero, apparently, and I don't know what the LPs and all that are going to look like or what kind of investment opportunities are going to be there. But there's definitely going to be people jumping into that DEX. Um, hopefully, they they create a great DEX with no fucking, you know, code problems or errors or whatever, and like, you know, no liquidity pools get drained or whatever. So be careful. But because um, like these things happen to projects, and um, uh, there's always a risk, regardless of what what the project is. And um, uh, most developers I'm sure try to avoid those, but you just never, never know. Like I've, there's plenty of legitimate crypto projects that have gotten in trouble with hubris and stuff anyway. But this, when the DEXs come out, what usually happens is those DEXs have to be filled, the liquidity pools, and you're going to attract people that may have Monero. You might attract people that have, um, BTC, you might attract people that have Dogecoin, whatever the hell else is going to be on that DEX. Um, and it's going to be apparently a decentralized system. Can't wait to hear what the tech behind that is. 
because I haven't seen the white paper and stuff yet. But I'm um, curious to see how that looks, how safe that DEX is, how decentralized it is. And if we have a really, really legit DEX that, you know, can't be shut down, well, I mean, that basically means that um, we don't have to worry about centralized exchanges and any kind of like regulatory BS, either from KYC or from the perspective of, um, um, or for the perspective of getting shut down or having delistings and whatever bullshit, right? So that's going to be really, really uh, important. Um, so yeah, for Zephyr, I think uh, that deck's coming out is super bullish. And I think it's going to attract new people. I talked to a guy that was like an old school XMR guy on Spaces. You almost never see an XMR guy in crypto Twitter. Like these people are like, you know, like they are not LARPing about their positions at all. Um, and they um, and he didn't know about Zephyr Swap and stuff. And I was kind of pointing it out. Um, and uh, I, I think as you know, the idea here is to tag as many XMR people as possible to come into Zephyr because we're basically the same type of community, same type of ethos, and you're going to be sharing liquidity pools. And and XMR people have this problem too. Like, you know, they, they need on-ramps, they need off-ramps, and they need to be, be able to sort of like do these things. And, and ThorChain and whatnot has not been able to do this for us yet, right? Um, we talked to Maya Protocol this a few days ago, and they haven't added privacy or ring signatures to their system. So between Sarai and Zephyr Swap and whatever, um, I think these are bullish developments for the um, privacy ring signature, uh, you know, CPU mined coin space or whatever you want to call it. And it uh, seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's going to be, and we're very, very early, obviously, in terms of bull market dynamics, like I said, um, almost no Google searches, limited YouTube, um, like views for most of the channels. So, I, you know, I think we have plenty of room in the bull market. I don't think we have to worry too much. And something like Zephyr usually is going to attract, like, diehards. You're going to have people that care about it a lot and people that don't give a shit one, one way or the other or don't understand it. So it's the diehards you're attracting. And diehards are the ones that tend to spend a lot more money um, in terms of, like, uh, money that they're injecting into a project for ideologic reasons. And I think people that are in Monero, Zephyr, things like that, are very much like more cypherpunk, like old school crypto ideologues are going to care about this sort of thing. So anyway, um, that's just my two cents on both of these. Both look like great charts. Chain link with the breakout um, out of out of the consolidation, and then Zephyr with a really really clean retracement and uh, going into the next month or so of hopefully microcap pumps. <laughs> but uh, hey, Conlon, what's going on? What are you up to, man? Hey, how you doing? Um, just want to say, love your spaces, man. I've I've been listening a lot, and and I think you provide a lot of value, so I really love it a lot. But um, you know, I'm just just chilling, enjoying uh, the link breakout from this last three month range. Um, really excited to see what happens. Do you have like a next? Do you have weeks. like a strategy? Are you like a like what's your, describe yourself? You're like a chain link diehard. Like you're going to be up. You know, you're selling at a thousand. Are you you're like what's your what's your thinking here? So here's my situation. So like I, I, um, I'm in college, so I don't have like a ton of money and I play a sport, so I don't have time to work during, during the um, school year. So over the summer I worked a, like a bunch and basically saved up a lot of money, did some research, uh, and then found Chainlink and basically put everything that I, that I made over the summer into it. Um, and you know, now were you in, were you in crypto and stuff before, and then you sort of like decided on this, or did you just happen to yeah, find it so, first, or what? 
I was, I, I got into crypto my freshman year of college, which was like 2020. Um, and then, you know, I kind of was like losing money in NFTs and stuff. And then I was like, all right, a lot of this is just straight bullshit. So I like found my way into like DeFi and stuff. And like this past year, I was, I, I was in the like ENS ecosystem a lot. I, I own some ENS domain names and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, recently found Chainlink, got lucky, right? I found it right before it broke out of that 530 day range. And um, now I'm trying to decide like how I want to go about like selling and or like holding. Cause I, I'm like at a position where I don't want to miss, miss out on life changing money because I don't have like a massive bag. Yeah, you're, but I also you're young enough. I mean, if you don't have yeah. to spend it on something right now, yeah, it's like, it's more of a conviction thing at that point. Yeah, exactly. So like, I was thinking maybe I'll just like, hold 75% of it and try to get into the next um, expansion of the community pool and stake that and then sell maybe half half of that 25% left at like 140-ish and then the other half at like 250-ish if it gets up there and then try back buy back lower during the bear. Yeah, I've been thinking about that. I bought in at this point with a reasonable enough basis at like 12 bucks at like, like I said, I think the next bear market low the way these things work is like the first um, bull market, you you drop like 90, we, we drop like 91% from the top. And I think the last bull market was Chainlink's like true first bull market. And then this time, like we'll pump to who knows what. And then we have to drop like probably 80% from that level, something like that, maybe 85%. So that would put us like, depending on how high we go, that'll tell us you when the next bear market lows basically going to be. And I think that's going to be north of wherever we are now, though. I think we're fine here. So the question is, like, if I stake it, if I, you know, staking pool opens and we are able to stake some more, um, you know, like that would be that might be a cool idea, especially if the yields are actually pretty good at that time. Um, it, so, like, the idea would be like, OK, you get maybe a, several years of yield and then you sort of like restake that or you, you know, just save that. And then maybe like run the next bull market up, um, you know, from there. That's one one option. And then the other one be like, well, forget the yields and whatever. Let's pick a spot to sell at some point and maybe sell some and then, you know, re-enter in the future or something. It just it depends. Like, because the thing is, it's a very PVP world. And the weird thing is like you get married to these things in a sense that like you really love the project for whatever reason. And, you know, you're like, oh, I'm just gonna be a long-term investor. Um, and I'm going to hold this forever. And I think if it's a small bag and it's, you know, whatever you could do that, it's, I think it's fine. But if it's a very large bag, then the question is, do you ride it all the way up and down? Or is there an absurd amount of opportunity cost that goes with that considering how much like pump and dump dynamics there really are in crypto. And, you know, so like, I think the thing is you have to decide on your thesis at that point. Um, but generally speaking, even on the way up, you're going to have like good, 30 to 50% dumps more than likely, <laughs> like, you know, cause these are all leveraged fuel pumps. They're yeah. not real. Like not all of it's real money. It's just like, it's just, you know, funny money, essentially leveraged, you know, numbers and they, they go up like crazy and they dump like crazy. And even like, you know, a good example of this would just be go to East chart for, um, 2020 through the last bull market, maybe go through like 2022. Right. And go look yeah. at how many like retracements there were, how much dumps there were. 
and you get a good sense of this and you're like, okay, what, what goes up must come down at some point. The question is, the only thing you don't know is how high does it go before it gets a dip? And that's tougher to predict. I, I'm guessing with Link, it's going to be like the $31 area is like a FIB level. I think we probably retrace back to 21 from there. Um, there's a pretty good odds of that. And I think this 21 level, I don't think we're going to stay here long. My suspicion is we blast through it. Um, we'll see if that actually materializes or not. But yeah, yeah. You, like from so if you have so my point is like if we run straight to thirty one, then you ought to consider selling at thirty one and buying back as a possibility. If mm -hmm. we consolidate for a really long time at twenty one, like let's say you get, we're, we're here at twenty one and this shit stays here for like I don't know three four months, then that's different. In which case mm -hmm. you just simply hold. You don't try to like gamble that. You don't even if it goes to thirty one, you don't try to gamble that again. Because oftentimes in crypto, what happens is when you know it's time to sell is usually when you run like three fibs in a row, like straight up without really stopping for more than, you know, much of a period of time. So if, if you know, so I think if we run, you know, get stuck at 21 and, you know, run sideways, just chill and just wait. Um, yeah. That's not the, the so-called like mini blow off top, right? You'll have mini blow off top between like the, the massive end game of the bull market. So I think like 31-ish is where I'm thinking there'll be some pullback. Um, and usually there's going to be some pullback at the all-time highs, but not much because all-time high breaks in crypto are usually bullish, like very bullish. And like you don't get much opportunity to buy back much lower at those levels. So after you break all-time high, usually a FIB extension after that, you're going to get a pullback of substance. Like like let's say link goes from 53 to like a hundred, you're almost certainly mm -hmm. going to get a pullback at a hundred because people have a tendency to sell at like even numbers. Like I'm going to mm -hmm. wait till chain link goes to hundred. I'm going to sell. So, then, so what you do is you sell at 90 basically to kind of front <laughs> a little bit. And then yeah. you try to buy back lower if possible. So that's, that's yeah. the theory. Yeah. And then there is that, that hundred dollar meme too. <laughs> yeah. That's been out there for like a long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, linkers are like upset because like, we didn't hit a hundred dollars last season and they're like, they're, you know, and they're like, it's cause Sergey dumped on us and stuff and whatever. And um, Dude, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like some of yeah. the, some of the fun <laughs> is just so weak and like, it's almost like borderline childish. It's pretty funny. It is. But like, you know, part of it is people don't understand that like, um, all coins are pretty much all like SAS company security tokens. That's kind of what yeah. they are. And you're going to get selling from various sources. Like if it's a proof of work, you're going to get minor selling. If mm -hmm. it's a proof of stake, you're going to get inflation and you're going to get validator selling. Um, if you are like, yeah, an early project like a TIA or a Say Network and these type of things, you might have a gigantic amount of VC bag. So Chainlink's VC bag is actually smaller than Celestia and say network and a bunch of these these other fucking projects and like people are making <laughs> those like crazy so this yeah. idea that somehow people care like when the bull market happens what the tokenomics are the token distribution honestly no one gives a shit all that mm -hmm. really matters is are are we firing on all cylinders on narratives or not and this season man Chainlink is just kicking ass as far as it's like, unbelievable it's unbelievably good right like like yes. nobody in crypto right now is pumping out content like like con the Chainlink channel is yeah, it's like over over the summer when I was like looking for a project to invest in, I was I like there wasn't there wasn't anything remotely close to like 
the organizations that Chainlink was working at, like it's unbelievable. I I stumbled like what made me want to pour so much money into it was I stumbled upon uh, one of Chainlink God's posts, and it literally like just like listed off all like the institutions and um, organizations that Chainlink are, have been like in talks and working with. And the funny thing is, like, I, I sort of always crazy. faded Chainlink God. Like I, I've always really? followed him. I know he's been around for years, and um, and um, we've kind of like passed each other and passing from time to time different things. Mm-hmm. And I, I made the mistake of like I bought some Chainlink at like all the way from like seven down to like five bucks, and maybe at eight again. I think my average mm-hmm. is like twelve. I was buying during the bear market. The problem was I was buying it purely speculative bag. I wasn't mm-hmm. actually. I figured it was a safe speculative bag. And I was just going to dump some money in there. But I didn't actually go in with full size like I mm-hmm. should have because I didn't do what you did and I didn't do enough research. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be like, I didn't really get enough research into my head until after the conference this last, um, like in September, whatever. And I didn't get enough like info into my head even beyond that. Like it just took me a while to soak it in and like give a shit. Mm-hmm. And that that was bad because I got in, I bought a bunch of 15 which you know is fine you know i'm ahead but like it's bad in that i could have just took all that fucking money and bought it at seven instead (laughs) but i didn't really know like enough i didn't have enough conviction at that moment that's always the problem right yeah it's like you have to get lucky in this space you have to get lucky that someone tells you the right information at the right time it's not even just like do you have enough money or do you happen to be around during the bear market it's like even with all that shit going on you still have to have someone convince you that like this is where the giga money should be spent, right? Like you're not, mm-hmm. you, and, and that requires luck too, in a way, because who you meet and who you happen to hear, what YouTube thing you happen to see, what maybe the dates of the conferences or whatever it was, um, and maybe like, maybe you knew about it, but then you didn't realize Bankless was going to talk about it and pump the shit out of it. Remember, because that's part of what took us off. Oh, of yeah, that, yeah. Pretty, pretty soon after that. Right after, yeah, like a week after Bankless yeah. and everything started to moon. I think that had something to do with it because um, Bankless has a lot of reach. And, you know, so, at the, but at that point, I was like, wait a minute, like, let's go watch this fucking Bankless stuff. I didn't even realize it was an episode. I wasn't watching YouTube at all. That's how disconnected. I was busy with work and whatever. And I was disconnected from, um, like, you know, YouTube and whatever. And, I, you know, as much as, as I fuck around on Twitter, I just don't spend enough time on YouTube. And like the what happened was is after that i was like let me go watch what the hell has been out for the last few months on Chainlink. let me go read it watch every video see what's happening and um see if i need to invest more or whatever because we're going to all season and whatever and then i'm like i got into it and then after digging into all the projects that were connecting by ccip i was like wait a minute like like this there's a that's a lot of stuff going into this right and then i saw like Zucky never mentioned this, but Zucky Manian um, runs Sommelier Finance, and he never mentioned this, but I noticed that that's connected to CCIP mm-hmm. as well. And I'm like, wait a minute, like all of Cosmos chains are going to want to connect to this because you're going to get all this interesting liquidity and all these assets. And I'm like, it's the clearly like the sleeper of the season for sure. And I'm like, fuck this. I, put, I just put crazy amounts of money. In. I bought more cool. chain link this season than I bought of anything in crypto ever with straight cash. Yeah. <laughs> I love like it. That's that's the amount of I bought. Like that's a seen amount. Like, and I added a lot of it at fifteen. So, like, my um my uh, cost basis is like twelve or something at this point. But yeah, really, really high conviction. Yeah. You know, after seeing all the information out there, and also like how relatively easy it is. I went to the actual you know build site and watched how you do the actual coding and how do you incorporate mm-hmm. into your blockchain all that shit. And they actually created a pretty good like 
um, onboarding infrastructure to to all this. And a lot of other blockchains, like take Cosmos as a great example. Um, Cosmos chains, like if you want to make a new Cosmos chain or like incorporate IBC, it's like, I mean, the documentation blows by comparison. And they did a good job putting together good docs and like, you know, so I think it's easy to onboard new chains and new businesses onto um, uh, Chainlink because they're doing a really good job with that type of infrastructure. Um, yeah, and that's and stuff then, that the newbies don't understand. Like they don't see all this stuff, right? You know? Yeah. And then like once you, once Chainlink onboards them onto one product, it just, it just makes sense for that chain to just adopt every other product they have. And it's like a really massive moat. It's pretty, yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. Like, like as an example, um, so I'll give you an example of how profoundly interesting Chainlink is. Like, uh when it comes to those services so chainlink that has not only the ccip cross-chain connectivity you have the nft cross-chain uh standard um so if you create your nft with this back-end metadata you can now you know cross to all these different chains but um it also has verifiable randomness which is um in cosmos there's an entire chain dedicated to that called noise n-o-i-s they just had a airdrop and stuff recently and it's a it's a chain that like guarantees that they can provide you verifiably random numbers for your applications. Chainlink has VRF or randomness, verifiable randomness. I don't know what the F stands for, but the <laughs> fuckery <laughs> VRF. And uh, yeah. and they have this VRF module, and you can actually incorporate that directly into your chain as a service as well. Uh, then they also have, of course, data streams for all sorts of different data that might want to come in. And then they also have. Um, like, you know, whatever, um, uh, what was the other thing that they had? So yeah, Deco. like, uh, Deco, yeah, Deco is like the oh, their Deco, privacy yeah. um, slash like KYC type of information so that you could yeah. have your information in the system KYC, but your information is not public to everybody. Um, it's only, you know, public to those who you make it public to on purpose. And um, that's an important thing for sort of TradFi and for regulatory and all sorts of other things to connect yeah. to this uh to the system so it's like yeah i mean like the the important thing to to keep in mind is like with cosmos chains you have to go to multiple different services to achieve what you now can do all in one box with Chainlink. um another one that uh a new chain in cosmos is called andromeda which is like um a drag and dot drop it's have you ever programmed in scratch or something like that where you drag and drop little boxes to program. Yeah, things. okay, yeah, yeah. It's like Scratch for like Cosmos, um, you know, dApps where you can create okay. like little micro dApps or micro programs and you could then sell those on their app store. And then people okay. can, other dApps can incorporate like, you know, maybe you unstake something and then you invest in something and, you know, you can have like an automation sequence essentially and save it. And it can like be cross-chain compatible um across ibc chains uh, across cosmos chains and um what they what chainlink announced was basically chainlink automation which is essentially that except all in one package so now you have the randomness you have this you have that and it's all baked into the back end and it doesn't require computational resources of your um your blockchain right because all this shit's happening mm -hmm. in the background on the chainlink nodes that's super bullish shit because if anyone knows how blockchains work they're terrible at computation. They're not great. Uh, they're slow at these things. And then, you know, Celestia is an entire layer that was created for data availability because, like, blockchains are not a great source of place to store data um, and, uh, and, and do those kinds of um, computations where maybe you don't need data to last forever and stuff like this. But Chainlink's backend can basically is like a 
it's like a big computational layer for blockchains. And then the only thing that matters for blockchains then becomes finality. Like, you know, immutable ledger <laughs> is the main function again. And you, even smart contracts and everything that you think of with Wasm, with Cosmwasm, with EVM, all of that shit could happen in the background in the future with Chainlink. And then your chain is just a ledger. And that's really bearish, though, for every other blockchain. Mm -hmm. Because if, if that's the case, like imagine five years from now, 10 years from now, most of these smart contract chains didn't need to exist because Chainlink can do any number of you know, yeah, networks. It's just going to abstract them away into like it makes yeah it makes it almost like there's no point in having yeah um, some of those things and these automations can be done in any type of programming language in a sense because the, all of this is blockchain and language agnostic at the end of the day you could you could run virtual machines for almost anything in the background and have privacy layers and randomness and all of it so just think of it now like Chainlink is becoming an operating system is what it's becoming um, yes. it's becoming more than like just a TCIP TCP IP communication layer, it's that plus a variety of host of other services. Um, very, very interesting. So I wasn't as bullish on Chainlink back in 2020. I thought it was like I missed the boat running it from like, you know, when it ran originally mm -hmm. ICO, it ran from like, a, you know, 50 cents to like fucking $20 or whatever. <laughs> I saw that pump and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Um, and then like I bought in at Chainlink, I think at like, I don't know, somewhere between you know, seven to 15 bucks. And I think I sold my bag at like maybe, you know, 30 bucks. And I think I bought a bunch of Luna or something at the bottom mm -hmm. um, at the time, but like whatever I did with it. Anyway, the point is like, I didn't have that level of conviction at the time. Um, and a lot of the FUD related to Chainlink and the coin and like it not having any use and all that shit was basically true uh, to some extent. And I think um, it was, there's a lot of vaporware with Chainlink at the time. And now we have a battle-tested Oracle system that has survived like tons and tons of chaos over the last, you know, the last bull market and all the bull, the chicanery, like whatever the chaos that yeah. happened there, the shenanigans. <laughs> and then like it, it, it actually survived all of that. And then like all of their systems have been functioning ever since. And now we have all these other cool tools that are coming out and um, yeah, super, super interesting. And I think it's going to be one of these asymmetric plays where most of the crypto space has no fucking clue why Chainlink's useful. It's, it's too like, it's too technical for people to care yes um and that's why the link marine crowd is really important because like if you have basically a bunch of meme slayers you know like you know meme throwers uh, <laughs> that's really important because the general public doesn't give two shits about what your chain does they couldn't care less but you shouldn't make that like you shouldn't take that to mean that you should memify your your particular project because like in the end of the day like 90 95 percent of people 99 percent of people have that buy the coin have no fucking clue what it's for or what it does yeah. or why they're even holding it. They just want number to go up. And so the more the memification, more memification, the more virality you get. It's just free advertising. That's the nature of Web3. If you're a Web3 style project or a crypto project and you're not taking advantage of Web2 viral advertising, you're just stupid, basically. Like the, the, the blockchains that say, oh, we don't shill or whatever. It's because you're morons. That's why you don't shill. No <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. Um, like that's just, that's just been proven fact. At this point, like you have to have conferences, you have to tell people what your product is. Like money's not going to flow into something if nobody knows what the hell you have. Um, if people feel like the people on that chain are having fun, people will just buy the coin for entertainment. Like, like at the very end of the day, would you rather have a coin that goes up, or would you rather have a coin that goes up and everyone's fucking laughing the whole day too? Yeah, I mean, obviously. Like, obviously, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You want the comedy club too. You want the yeah. you want the shenanigans. It's a lot of fun. And um, I think like, yeah, leeching the fun out of it is not good. Sergey is kind of like, 
pretty autistic when it comes to speaking in front of an audience. <laughs> like, yeah, I watched yeah, one of yeah. his things and he was kind of cringy in a sense. He couldn't even tell really like when the audience was clapping at one of his things, like, you know, are yeah. they happy? Are they not happy? You used to remember that? You used to remember that video? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I like, know exactly. Yeah. Man, you're what autistic as fuck, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he build him, bro, but like leave the, you know. So yeah, yeah people always want to hear him speak because he's like the, the smart founder and like super autistic and stuff. And they want to hear amazing things out of him, but he's no Steve Jobs as far as presentation, no, right? No. He's more he of used a, to, you know, he used to be even worse. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they've been like trying yeah. to push him up or something. He's coaching he was, the shit. They've been, yeah, yeah, they've been yeah. used to coaching him for sure. Yeah. Cause yeah. he speaks a lot better now than he once yes. did. I think, I think you're right. <laughs> but it's very funny. <laughs> he's improved a little bit. It is, it is really funny. I it's yes. like, it's interesting. Like, I'm interested to see like, like when these like, like products are, when and if uh they're like like in full use by some of these institutions like when that happens if it happens in the bear market what that does to the price of the token and then like also i think yeah it's you, get, you how, periodically like, get coins that run in bear markets and yeah, that's like that's happened before um usually that happens with new launches though not so much previous ones but you never know you never know because like so like there's going to be like obviously there's going to be a uh, private bank chain uh, ecosystem, and I feel like Chainlink's kind of like the only one that's really tap able to tap into that. While um, both like so like that ecosystem is going to be growing, but not going to be able to touch the the public chain ecosystem just because of regulatory clarity and stuff like that for a while. So I'm I'm curious to see how everything works. Out. I like the fact yeah. that I like the fact that there's no such thing like if you're connecting everything to everything, which is essentially what Chainlink's doing. Um, there's no such thing as like that becoming obsolete, yeah. right? And and the interesting thing about Chainlink system is you can create a, a connection to anything quite literally, um, whether it's Swift systems or DTC systems. They just have to create the 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 formatting structure for whatever you're trying to connect, whether it's like maybe in the future Oracle NetSuite or something, something you know, accounting things yeah. or whatever. Ultimately, um, you just simply have to have the connectivity created. And whatever company wants that connectivity um, to connect to blockchain environments, they just simply have to look at the CCIP thing, incorporate it into their software, and voila, now you're in blockchain mm -hmm. world. Um, yeah, and, and this was more... not because nobody wants to fucking learn EVM. That's not that's not a thing. No. Yeah. No, not 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 in the traditional world, right? Like they don't want to figure that out, and they don't want to be they don't want to be stuck with like, what if Ethereum's not the god chain that, that everyone says it's mm -hmm. going to be? Maybe it's going to be something else. Uh, so CCIP makes you know, makes the companies that connect to it essentially agnostic to whatever technologies emerge later. And that's really yeah. important. It's kind of like a snowball effect because as soon as more companies are like introduced CCIP, it kind of has to become a standard for everybody else to come in in order to access the liquidity that's being provided. Yeah. People want like a singular source of liquidity that, you know, liquidity fragmentation is a gigantic problem. You know, you have USDC on Cosmos, you have USDC on mm -hmm. Ethereum, and you have USD, you have like ESD, USDC on Arbitrum and on Optimism, yet you can't yeah. send the Optimism one to the Arbitrum one. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. TradFi thinks this is all like just retarded pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Like they, they yeah. know it's just like, like mini cash grabs and it has nothing to do with reality. Um, like the, the world is not going to run on that. That's just not rational at all. No. Yeah. Like my grandma's never going to go and use like web <laughs> yeah. products right now. Like it's not. Of course. Just it's not going to happen, happen until there's like one interface that you can yeah, use. Yeah, infants and infants and grandmas can't use this stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So nobody's using it. Like it's not going to be mass adopted at all. Um, yeah. It's really more like 
you know, um, this is more still in the realm of cypherpunk stuff. And I think CCIP changes that picture substantially where you may get a lot of the various like backend benefits of blockchains. Um, and, you know, all the people that use blockchains normally, like we do now, can still do so. Um, but at the same time, mm, sort of tradfi liquidity can flow, uh, tokenized things can flow. And um, like there's no really end to the real world asset story. But I think if you just simply have a real world asset um, connection of some kind, you build a blockchain, you're also going to want to tie that to CCIP. Because at the end of the day, like you're going to want your real world asset to be where everyone else's real world assets are, assuming you want them to be traded and yeah. you want uh, liquidity to flow to those things, right? So that's going to be something that like, even if I was going to build a some sort of external real world asset system, let's say I'm building, a, I don't know, something for home titles or something. Um, am I going to want to be only connected to EVM? Am I going to only, am I going to like gamble on Cosmos? Am I going to gamble on? Some random new at layer one. No, I'm probably going to just say, connect to everything. Everything. So like CCIP, yeah. like you know, I'm going to connect to this, and I'm going to gamble here, and probably everyone will connect to that. Yeah. Um, and it seems like the obvious choice from a uh, from a business perspective if you're going to build something. Um, and most of those businesses don't want to build a whole blockchain. Like that's been shown for the last ten years. I mean, like how many companies have gone out and built their own blockchain? Basically none. Mm-hmm. Right, like like the yeah, no. airlines, like frequent flyer miles, like all the theoretical reasons you might use a blockchain, and you know, even when you have free Cosmos chains, you could spin up just you know with open source. You haven't seen a major jump in in, in that kind of activity. It's because like, where are you going to find the developers? Where are you going to yeah. like? Who wants to reinvent that fucking wheel? Nobody. You know, like that'd be like if um you know Facebook decides to reinvent smartphones for some reason, like. <laughs> You know, like, like yeah, that's not stepping completely out of their boundaries. Yeah, so like you, you leave this, you leave this connectivity thing um, to the to that group, and then be done with it. It's like the USB consortium. Like you know, like yeah, you could put in some new connector, like a Lightning connector, if you're Apple or somebody. But most companies are just going to just adopt whatever is there. They're going to say, oh, USB-C, that's what everyone's going to use. Okay, fine, we're going to put that in cars now. Um, and that's what you see in cars now is USB-C ports in the new cars, right? Um, yeah. So you know, but it took a long time for that standard to sort of like eek into this, you know, leak into the system. It takes a, usually a couple of product cycles, usually several years. Like USB-C's example has been out for what years now? Um, mm-hmm. Probably up to five. I'm not sure exactly how long it's been. But like you're just now starting to see it in like monitors or cars and things like that um, where you can connect stuff with USB-C. Um, but anyway, but yeah, these things take a while. These cross-chain, these cross-product uh, uh, sort of like communication uh, cables, as it were. And what's what's up, Ann? What are you doing? Hey, Sophie. Can I ask? Can I ask a very off-topic question? Oh my God! What is it? <laughs> is it way <laughs> off-topic? Yes, it's way off-topic. Okay, well, it? it has it, it has to do with crypto, but it's way off-topic of 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 Luna, Link, whatever. So my question <laughs> is as follows: um, I heard that OPNX is stopping their business on the 14th of February because um, they say they said all their um, uh, settlements um, the the what they did with closing their yeah so everything everyone was satisfied so they're closing uh, uh, their business and now I was wondering 
there's still um, some ox thing going on on ox fun and uh, are there who 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 is is that is that uh, still a part of the, of um, the this is more a question for you to message bruce about i don't really know too much about it I, I do i do know that like i guess kyle and sue i guess they sponsored or like um helping build this opnx exchange and then like uh, maybe a lot of people just didn't use it or something, so it didn't get popular. Exchanges are hard to start, and they're hard to make profitable, too. I'm mm -hmm. not sure why they went into that route, but they did. And then they created this, like, token exchange token in the form of Ox. And then, of course, like, uh, it's basically a token that has value because people put value in it. Uh, you might need to turn your volume down, in. I hear a, a reverb. Um, anyway, so then uh, oh. what, what happened was uh, that I guess there's this Ox Fun thing ox.fun and i guess they're migrating to the token there and i'm not sure what it's going to do i'm not really sure um i don't really pay attention to too much of like uh, uh kyle and sue's shenanigans um the, like to some degree like uh they um i don't know like I, i'm not i don't really pay too much close attention to him as much as bruce does Okay, uh, I understand i understand why and i understand that i shouldn't have get involved with it. No, it's fine. Like, but, you play around. You know, these things are yeah. all fun experiments, but like, um, yeah. I don't. So, I don't have too much. Okay, but um, about it either way, there are not many people uh, talking about it, and um, there aren't uh, there aren't much spaces where I can ask this, and I I ask some people uh, like in DMs, but there are not many people very eager to answer i don't so, know check that ox.fun <laughs> website see if you think it's interesting and go from there i guess i don't really know okay okay thank you i have been i've been largely focused on kind of like a few projects that i think are mm, maybe undervalued uh executing really well and like you know like most of the stuff i have right now is you're you have a lot of reverb on your uh phone by the way turn your volume down or something on your computer um yeah like i've been focusing on pretty much right now that my biggest bags are some uh chain link is my largest i've got um zephyr and i've got some kujira as well i think kujira executes really well they've they've built a, a really beautiful ecosystem and i think people enjoy using it so i think it's likely to do well i have my terra um still from um my luna from um that I still have from back in last season and everything. Um, but yeah, I don't like, I'm not playing around with too many things. I'm certainly not playing around with a whole lot of DeFi right now. I don't really want to be bothered doing all the taxes and other bullshit for that uh, waste of time. Um, and uh, like Grinnell speaks, I, I hated that too. Um, so I think we're, I'm keeping it simple this season and basically just going very big on a few conviction things. And I think uh, so far that's been working out really well. And a last question, if I may, um, about Fed, um, the AI um, um, thing. Yeah, just to kind of like give people a background. So fetch.ai is kind of like a token. I bought it at 39 cents. Um, and sort of like when the price was sort of turning over and kind of faltering at about 70-ish cents, uh, I believe is when I kind of sold it. I thought I'd maybe hold it maybe to try to see if it breaks all-time high. And it very well might do that but um at that moment it was like the opportunity cost was do i stay there or do i pick up some chain link at like 
I think it was like maybe 14 bucks or something. And I'm like, whatever, I'm going to get some more chain link. So I did. And um, that turned out to be the correct choice. I just sort of gambled that. But I just wasn't so sure that the AI narrative stuff was going to keep running for the coming year. Um, it, it, it makes some of these charts started making me look, make me nervous because um, if you look at sort of how the different retracements look from the top, some of them were putting in kind of like this, like, you know, inverse head and or like a head and shoulders type pattern, which is kind of bearish. They weren't putting in like traditional bear, you know, bull flags and whatnot. And I'm like, I don't know, these look like they could roll over. People get bored of them and they don't like this happened at Chainlink. In fact, back in 2021, it ran up with the original Bitcoin pump in the next round. It didn't actually go up to my previous high. And I'm a little worried about a lot of the coins that have already run uh, injective and fetch and some of these things. I mean, like they're. Some of these things are just grossly overvalued to some extent, um, which, you know, a lot of the stuff in the space is obscenely overvalued anyway, but like they're overvalued and they have sort of nasty little charts. I'm like, I don't know. So I'm like, let's just go and just dump the money into with something with conviction. And um, Chainlink had the much prettier chart and the clean upside without having any of these worries about like, you know, that I'm really gambling at that point. Like, you know, it's just, it like, so I dumped a lot of those things that I was ahead in and I just put them into some sure thing. And to me, the short thing was Chainlink after doing some research. So I was like, let me just kind of dump it where I know, like, I don't have to watch it too much. And I just enjoy the rest of the year while it just pumps to infinity. <laughs> That's my plan. You know what happened, Sophie? My Chainlink flipped my um, Solana, flipped my uh, ETH, and flipped my Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine it would. Yeah. Oh, just wait. I think we have a good three months, three, four months ahead of us now. Because the the really in particular the Chainlink Bitcoin chart looks beautiful. It looks just like a perfect setup for like every trader you can imagine. It's gonna be like, ooh, look at that. It's like you don't even have to explain to someone what that is. Like charts themselves become memes. Like they have they have us take a look about them, and then all the traders just start piling in. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if like people are piling in leverage as we speak, um, and um, you know to pretty much send this thing to like either. 31 or like back to all-time high pretty quickly. So I think it's going to pull a Solana-like move very fast um, is my suspicion. Um, and, you know, the thing is, too, it hasn't caught up to like the coins that haven't caught up to the Solana run and the injective run um, or the Casper run or whatever. A lot of those things, I think, are going to play catch up now because a lot of people think are going to think the same way I'm thinking. They're going to be like, hey, look, uh, you know, the, these are a bunch of coins that like have already run up and maybe on the, you know, they'd have, even if it doubles to crazy market caps, I only get a two X. Maybe there's some things that are lower risk that um, haven't run yet that I can stick my money into. And usually everything runs in a bull market. Um, even like the old dino coins, Litecoin, Dogecoin, I bought some of those, even those will run in a, in a, in a um, bull market. And those things might only do like, let's say they only do a three X or four X, but who gives a shit? Like, that if you've already made some X's on something else and you find something else, it's super low risk and you can get the rest of the multiples on that. It, you don't have to make the multiples in the same thing you originally bought. You try to cycle to maybe like um, a lot of people cycle to the um, lower risk thing. And then that's why everything pumps in a bull market is that cyclical activity. So anyway, yeah, just some thoughts, but even, even like um, myself, I think if Chainlink runs to like, if it runs to 32 quickly, like let's say within the next few weeks, it's at 32 already. It doesn't even pause at 21. I think there's a pretty good chance it dumps. And so therefore, I think what I'll do is around 30-ish, I'll probably sell some, maybe like 
10% of it. And I'll, and if Zephyr hasn't run yet, I'll just dump it into Zephyr and like, uh, get myself a much bigger bag bag in a micro cap that I believe in. Um, either that or I'll add to some Kajira as well, depending on where its chart sits. So I think that's what I'll probably do. Um, because timing wise, Chainlink runs first and the other things run afterwards, just probably the same thing that happened in October, November is my guess. And therefore I can, um, maybe rotate a little bit of my bag. Um, but, um, I'm not going to do that too much of that. I don't need, I have a lot of chain links. So it's like, it doesn't have to go up by much for me to overwhelm my prior Zeph buys and my prior, um, Kujira buys because like, uh, I'll have plenty of cash on hand, even by selling a little bit of it. So that's my theory. And if we have like a general market dump, my, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell my, uh, some of my stocks and things that I bought for the last, um, couple of years and, um, things that have already run, maybe they're heavily in the green or in profit, or maybe some stuff that I want to like get rid of some loose baggage. I'll sell it. And then, uh, I might buy some more crypto, um, with that. So we'll see if we, if we get a nice drop, that's my, um, my, my stocks are kind of my, uh, what do you call it? Uh, that's almost like my stable coins, <laughs> like, the, like compared to crypto. So I might, uh, eject some of those and rotate. Anyway, um, Grin, what's up, man? Oh, wait, before Grin hits, because I want to... Yeah, I want to me on that. Unless, Grin, are you, are you going to stay on that topic? Because I want to feed into that. Ah. Go ahead. Um, I want to eat, eat what you're feeding. Go ahead. All right, because I'm... Like, the way he's talking, you know, comparing Link to Zeph, and... <sighs> my apologies. C comparing it what like time no, I, I, yeah I, I just wanted to you know formally apologize to Grant for that interruption um yeah you oh. you made that initial comparison you said you wanted to run off um you, if you saw it run up to you know 32 quick you, you know you get out um just temporarily because i you know you've made a long-term convictions you know kind of uh kind of statement statement's not necessarily the word I well remember. what i'm saying is like I, you might have missed when I said this earlier, but if if we I've been following for a while, you know, like you said, you're going to keep we, this thing for the you know for the long run. So yeah, I, I imagine if we go to trade it up. Think about it this way: if we go to 21 and go sideways, so that we're almost there now, right? The 20 there's a fib at 21. If we go sideways for three months and we don't run on Chainlink right now, let's just say that happens. It makes um, sense to jump then in uh, performing yeah, then I'm going to hold if it hits 31.32. And the reason is because it'll probably run up to all-time high relatively quickly if it does that first. If we don't consolidate first, if we go straight past 21, we run to 32 or 31 or whatever that FIB level is, and we go there immediately like within the next few weeks, then I think it's more plausible that selling some makes sense because it's going to pull back almost surely. Um, and that's my thinking. So it's not that I have a definitive price target. It's the behavior on the way there mm. that matters. So you move that more on, like a, on like a sentiment analysis kind of thing instead of a technical. Not just sentiment. It's just like, if, if you don't consolidate, you haven't pulled in a lot of spot buyers. And you know what you like when you, when you sit at a price range for like three or four months, you, you get a bunch of new buyers with a new return on investment thesis that they're looking for a 10 X or five, whatever. And they're ready to hold to the next, you know, next couple of levels. If you run like quickly up a several fibs, like let's say we get an all time high, like we're going to dump back to 20 for sure. Like that's going to happen. Right. So the thing is like the faster you run up, the, the more you have to, the deeper the consolidation has to be. 
That's the way to think about this. So like, so watch, watch the run up, see what the structure of that looks like, and then decide. You sell some if it goes up too fast. And if it does, fine, get rid of some. Because you know why it goes up that fast, right? It's not because a gajillion spot buyers show up. It's because there's way too much leverage in the system, which means when you pump that quick, the momentum trader is just piling on. And they're taking like for their one dollar, they're getting five dollars worth of link because they're doing five X and 10 X leverage and shit. So it's going to dump if it goes up too fast. So that's what you want to watch for. Um, so if it runs up really quick, let's say I would by quick, I mean, like a normal run for chain link for last um, like 2020 would be like maybe four months to get to all time high. Let's say we get to $32 level within like, I don't know, a week or something absurd like that. A really fast run up, you know it's going to crash. You know it, right? It's so you parabolic. might as well just sell a little bit. Yeah, it's, once it's that parabolic, especially if you're parabolic on the log scale. Like if you, if you see a linear move on a, on a log scale, that already is parabolic on the linear scale. But it's parabolic on the, on the log scale. Well, shit, you're just going like, it's just basically rocket ships at that point. And I think that could happen, by the way. Um, it happens all the time in crypto, obviously. You just go back to Chainlink in particular to see that happen. But there is a, there is a reciprocal move to the downside when it happens, and you have to, that's what you want to watch for. So we'll, we'll watch it and see. Like, I think like, the next couple of weeks will be telling. If we, see, if we just stay sideways for a whole month for whatever reasons, then, um, then you just hold. And you don't sell at 32. You don't even try to. If we run straight there, then you sell some. That's the theory. At least that's what I'm going to do. Gotcha. Because that, that's, how, that's how you do the vibe check at that point. Understood. Is, um, see it? And then, and then it's not a question of like how much conviction you have. It's a question of like how many new people with conviction are there? <laughs> like, and if they're just a bunch of leveraged traders just playing with you, well, then like they're not, that price has nothing to do with conviction. It has to do with just pump, you know, leverage pumping and you know, you shouldn't like if a bunch of other retards are going to come to pump your spot bags, why in the hell do you want to let them get all the profit? Right. It doesn't make sense to ride it all the way down again if it runs up quick, because like, especially in something like Chainlink, where there will be a lot of leverage involved, you can take leverage on Bybit, on Aave and whatever the fuck else. Like you can take leverage everywhere and buy Chainlink. So on every exchange, on every central exchange that offers leverage, you can get Chainlink on leverage. Right. So, you know, it'll pump. And when that happens, those are not conviction buyers. Those are just people here for a quick buck. And um, that's how I think about this. Whereas when you have a, when you have a, a protracted, uh, like three or four month, um, you know, consolidation, you've had an opportunity to pick up new buyers, people, maybe they went to YouTube, they looked at it, you know, they, they bought a bunch of spot bags or whatever. You want to wait for that crowd to show up and buy. And so that you have a solid floor to work off of. And that's what consolidation periods get you. Um, you know, so that's, that's kind of how to think about this, but I, the same is true of Zephyr as well. Like, you know, it pulled back from 50 ish to like 10 ish. Right. And that's a good 80% retracement. And the people buying now are the people with much more likelihood of having conviction because they're buying like while it's low and smart people buy when it's low. It's not like randoms that heard about it. Cause the, you know, they got an alert on their you know, phone or something, you know, because <laughs> for whatever reason, or they saw a bunch of people talking about it at the top, you know, people that are really into it are going to buy the bottoms because they're, um, the, 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 the people that show up just for the quick buck disappear usually, which is good. The tourists, as they call them disappear. And that's when you get the good buys. Um, so it's a, like, like Zephyr is a lot more safer now, um, than it is, um, 
you know, than it was, you know, for the past several months, as an example. So that's why I'm saying, like, if I have chain link, if I get chain link and it runs up to a point where it's like less safe, I might say, oh, I'm going to take a little bit of this. And if I have another coin that hasn't run, that I think has good possibility of doing so, I might cycle a little bit of that into there. But remember, when you buy low caps, they're much riskier in the sense that their volatility risk is higher. You might think you reach the bottom and it goes down another 90%, right? That kind of risk is there. Um, and yeah. so you may not want to like, you don't, you may not want to put too much into those things, right? Like it may be just a small portion of your winnings from something else. You can rotate into some micro cap just as a pure gamble. And that's fair, but like call it for what it is. It's straight gambling, right? Like it's not like, it's not a definitive quote unquote investment in a lot of these things. Um, especially when they're really small, like as long as you in your head know it's gambling, then you will allocate appropriately i'm not saying like i'm going to sell all my chain link and run into zephyr like oh fuck like zephyr's price would moon immediately if i did that like like there would be no liquidity for that kind of thing so um but that's that's my theory here gotcha yeah yo grin you're up grin you there (laughs) i don't know if he's busy but anyway yeah just some like just some good theory here like just i'm just talking out like what i might want to do and yeah if you guys have any like um criticism of it or maybe like critique or you do something different uh let me know part of it too is like when you have very large bags and you're in america one of the problems is going to be like you know the tax consequences of your bag and mm, a lot of my chain link that i purchased i usually do first in first out taxes a lot of the chain link i bought was is now long-term capital gains so it's been sitting around for like a year and a half so that original batch that I bought, if I sell it, I'm only paying like 20% tax on it versus um, the later buys I made, um, you know, like it, my tax would be much higher if I sold it anytime soon. So, um, and, you know, I think we, we got in early enough, like most of my chain link I've picked up, um, I think the last buys were, I think, January. Yeah. For January. So it'll be next January before I'm in sort of long-term capital gains. I'm hoping that like the bull market lasts, you know, through that time period so that like I can sell with long-term capital gains. However, if we have a giga bull market way before then, like let's say something crazy happens, Chainlink as an example, let's say that shit runs to 140 by, I don't know, November and I haven't hit long-term capital gains. I will be up so much like fuck it, I'll just sell it, I'll pay whatever taxes that I owe, and I'll just move on. I'm not even going to try to like decide to hold it exactly until tax season. Because the problem is, everyone else will be in the same boat. Because if you think about like, we're 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 February early now, right? Everyone buying today, if they held until next January, they'll all be at the point where they're in long-term capital gains for, in American customers at least. And all those people are going to be like, huh, Maybe I should sell it now that it's, you know, like I'm now in long term. So the thing is, you almost have to front run those people. Um, and so like the timing matters that like because we have our first impulse move in October, um, those people are going to be in good shape by next October to sell. And that's where you might start seeing some selling happening when people are uh securely in the long term capital gains because the taxes are considerably less, especially if your bag is big. Like understand that if you're if you're making like a million plus, let's just say you're a whale, you're making a million plus, like your capital gains tax on that shit's like a good solid forty percent or thirty five thirty five percent, something like that, depending on what deductions and whatever you have, but it's getting up there. So that's the thing. Um, 
to keep in mind that the, the whereas when it's long-term capital gains like 20 percent or something um and um and that's after it's held a year so even if you don't pay this much taxes even if you don't live in america it does not matter because there's going to be sellers who are playing off of this concept and so it's almost like you might as well put an alarm on <laughs> for for you know like if you assume that a lot of new people bought chainlink that are going to be converting to long-term capital gains and those people showed up between october and january you can set an alarm that there's probably some sell pressure in the total three altcoin space around next um, past next october uh, that'd be like november december january and you may not be able to hold your bags long enough to sell at long-term capital gains without um, having the actual bag go down in value also so usually you're if you if you get to a situation where you get a good sell and you're happy eh, pay the taxes whatever and just do it like don't worry about it that's that's the th that's the lesson after doing this for many many years um because if you try to time it to where it, it coincides with your tax bag um it's like it's not stocks and stuff like the problem is that the retracements at, at once bear markets begin are so deep you wind up writing down so far by the time your stupid tax timing gets in place sometimes that um you get in trouble now the good news is for us like for everybody here is if you're in the u.s and you've bought most of your stuff now, you're so early in the market that a bull market is likely to last more than, you know, to get you to long-term capital gains. It's just more probable. So that's one of the big advantages of paying attention during a bear market um, is the indirect tax advantage. But notice how only a long-term thinker is gonna worry about all this shit. And only a person with significant amounts of money in the market is gonna worry about all this stuff. A lot of other people are like, whatever, what are you talking about? Like, why are you like, you know, but it, it does help to like put yourself in my head, understand how I'm looking at it, because then that'll help you understand how other whales are going to look at this. And then, you know, maybe it helps you uh, navigate your bag, even if it's smaller, or maybe you don't have tax implications or whatever it is. Um, you'll at least understand the nature of like, um, maybe how the prices move in the market and stuff like that. But um, yeah. So it, yeah, I mean, like knowing how market makers function, knowing how, you know, ICOs work and token distributions, all this stuff is like, you know, a lot of nonsense that probably most people don't care about, but at the same time, like then you don't have a way to navigate the minefield of crypto right in your head. Um, it's also possible to get too right curved. Like you, you worry about all this shit instead of just, you know, like you know, aping into something, you worry about too much BS. That's also a worry. That's why people joke about that IQ curve thing. You have the dimwits, the midwits, and the right curve uh, geniuses or whatever. And like the geniuses fuck up because they miss obvious stuff that you should just ape into. Uh, the dimwits fuck up because they get dumped on by, you know, smart money in some instances. And the midwit gets screwed the most because like <laughs> they're both late to the party and they think they're too smart for their own good. And so then they fuck up everything one way or the other. So being a midwit's not a good situation. Like a lot of people to get the richest. I know someone, I think uh, Sammy was saying this on a space the other day. He's like, it's funny how like the, the people that think crypto is a scam do really well and that don't marry any of their bags. And the people that are complete dimwits and just ape into random stuff, they do really well. And it's the people that overthink this shit that um, think that this is like, oh, I'm going to invest in this thing for life or whatever. They're the ones that ride the bag all the way up and down. Um, and it usually takes several cycles to figure out like how this whole system works um, and, and why these speculative markets are so volatile and why they retrace so badly. Because um, a lot of it's just speculative fundamentals, right? More than anything, um, fueled by leverage 
Um, and some of this is leverage on top of leverage in the sense that like, because microcaps and things end up getting connected to BTC and ETH pairings, um, when those things run, you sort of like get eventual runs in the altcoin space. So the altcoins are already a leverage play on say BTC or ETH. And then on top of that, you have people taking leverage, borrowing money off of their BTC or their ETH or whatever, and then buying altcoins. Um, so not only are they become they become hilariously overvalued for what they actually are in the real world um, compared to like a stock that's ten like you know a stock that's ten billion dollars versus like you know a blockchain that's worth ten billion dollars or something. Um, how overvalued these things can get um, to absurd silly levels like just make any sense at all in reality um and if you were a right curve person you're like why in the hell is this worth this and you know you just don't bother <laughs> and then like the xrp army takes the thing to like 100 million market cap or something it's absurd um and or 100 billion market cap so these market caps go to silly levels for no great reason um but and so if you overthink it you don't realize how much potential there is and if you yeah so it's like it's weird how it's like you have to balance out on the one hand, be okay with absurd valuations happening, while at the same time not getting trapped with like euphoria at those points and um, realizing you probably ought to sell these things at some point. <laughs> so it's an interesting, um, weird logic that goes into playing these speculative things. I think it's more like how people think about penny stocks. Um, penny stocks have a lot of these these kinds of fundamentals in them as well, um, and penny stocks are actually in many ways more dangerous because. Penny stocks in the stock market, there's so many of them. It's simple. It's like very similar to like, you know, like, you know, random meme coins. There's so many of them that maybe they attract attention once, right? The price goes up and you buy and you're like, oh, I'm just going to hold it and wait and see what happens. And then for the next 20 years, nothing happens. <laughs> like, you know, it literally goes nowhere and nobody actually pays attention and no one pumps it again. It's just like a weird fluke. And the only reason you heard about it was because it pumped. Right, it went green on some chart. And you're like, oh, what's this? It's going up, and then you go and buy the thing, and it never goes up again. Um, so that happens in penny stocks a lot. Um, the difference in crypto would be like that does happen to an extent, but the the good thing is even moderate size market cap things that have legitimacy, like a chain link, is a good example. You know, 10 billion market cap. These things can still move another 10x to 100 billion market cap at some point, and it wouldn't be out of the question. But it wouldn't be like, you know, Bitcoin happenings create a cyclical mentality where people, the crowd just comes back again and again. And you think, oh, they're not going to come back this time. But they sure they do. It's like saying that nobody's going to go gamble again at Vegas or whatever. Yeah, they do. They keep coming back. So like the gamblers always show up again. The leverage traders keep showing up again. And everyone wants to have another chance to make it. And it's like this, like, um, it's like a Hunger Games type of thing. It's like every four years or whatever, the Hunger Games plays out. And um you know, 95% of lose, people lose money, but like everyone wants to be that 5% of people that make money and kind of, you know, ride this you know, wave again. And it's like, um, they show up again. And that, once you sort of realize how the game is played, then it's like, okay, well, I got to get in really at the bear market and I've got to get out maybe like mid market and just screw everybody else. Like, just don't even worry about the. So yeah, I don't think you need to get like, um, you, you should ignore the idea of like, I have to get a 10x gain. The way I think of it is like, okay, if something like a chain link can make it from a 10 billion market cap to 100 billion market cap, which is very feasible for this particular asset, let's say it, um, um, let's say like your, 
um, you've only made it to like, maybe you made a five X on that. You're like, okay, the fact that it can go to 10 X maybe means you should exit at a five X. Right. So like maybe it could go to 140, but I'm going to sell at 70 or maybe it can go to 250, but you know, maybe I'm going to sell at a hundred and be done with it. So sometimes like the thing to do is exit while you're way ahead and then take your money and put it somewhere where maybe there's a future two X or something. Um, and then get the rest, right? Cause like, why would you need to get the, two, that last two X in that particular asset? So I think the smart money, like you notice this a lot, you see a lot of smart money will be in really early and they'll be like, and they're out of here. Like before, by the time the crowd is here and whatever, they're already out of the market. They don't want the whole multiples because they can go. Cause think about this. Like if you have all your money and you just simply wait, I don't know, three more years or something, and maybe the stock market crashes or maybe the crypto market crashes, you can take all of that and just buy something else. And at that point, you don't even have to use all your money. You could use like 10% of it and go on like 5X leverage and get the exact same results. So the thing is like at that stage, um, you, you know, capital preservation matters more than like, I need to get a 2X more. I mean, shit, like if you're getting a 5X, how often do you get a 5X in the stock market unless you're really like gambling? on small cap things you don't very often or you have to wait really long time so um or you buy like you know 20 things two of them do a 2x and the rest of them are like flat or down right so like that you don't get um i don't think as great opportunities as you do in some ways in the crypto space um when it comes to happening cycles and cash flows and stuff and so we still have i think one or two cycles or three maybe where you have a lot of obvious opportunities um, and, um, later what's going to happen is, um, the opportunities are going to be harder and harder to suss out. Like, you're going to be like, I don't know what the next narrative is going to be. And now it's AI, but what's going to be next time? You know, it's harder and harder to figure out what those are going to be. And the multiples may not be as impressive. It becomes very questionable, very much like penny stocks are now. Yeah. There's opportunities out there and yes, there's things that are going to pump, but finding the one that everyone's going to want that becomes tougher and tougher. So that's what people say, like, you know, eventually this market will tame out. Um, and um, a lot of the multiples, multiples will be sucked out of it. So I think it's really, really important this cycle to be pretty successful, especially if you've been here since the bear market, to not fuck around, exit at a reasonable time, get yourself some cash, dump it in maybe some dividend stocks or something like that, and um, or whatever, leave it and, you know, keep it safe somewhere. And, um, and then sort of like figure out when you can reenter um at some future point when when you feel like the alpha you have on some project is legit enough that it's worth you know blowing your wad on that or whatever like um and and you know you'll have some cash flow and stuff to to play with so a trick would be like for example i don't know let's say you made a million bucks for some reason and you you take this million bucks and you dump it into like i don't know something like you know maybe some petrochemical stocks like petrobras or something and you're making a bunch of dividend off that then you could take like a few years of dividend, bear market shows up, you take those dividends, then you can go on leverage with those dividends, which you still have your principal essentially in your in your asset. Take your dividend, use leverage on that, and then you can play around, right? Um, so you don't have to at that point have a lot of cash, you can just use leverage because you, you have your main asset like still secure and it's still making you dividends. So long-term dividends give you like this cash flow, almost like owning a business where you feel that that's gonna keep on coming in, and you have like your future cash flow needs taken care of and you can just gamble on every random new coin or new stock or whatever the fuck you know like so you see me buying stuff all the time 
like, where do I get money for all this stuff? Like one from work, but two from just dividend flows and whatever from different things. I just, I just monkey around all the time and I just enjoy doing it. Like, so I do it for fun largely, but, um, but it's not from a, like I have, it's from a point of safety, right? I have like a lot of insurance. I've got a lot of life insurance. I've got a lot of, you know, I've got like a commercial business. I've got my house and all that stuff. Like, so I, there's nothing like I have to really worry about. So, um, um, I mean, even if I was completely poor, my kids will eventually take care of me or whatever. It's not a big deal. So like, like there's really layers and layers of security that, um, I tend to favor. So even though I'm like playing around in very, very high risk assets, do not take me for a, um, some kind of silly fool as far as like life planning and stuff. Like I'm very, very intense when it comes to that sort of thing. So, um, I don't, I leave very few stones unturned as far as like safety is concerned. So uh, I, I think the, the crypto space is fun and that you can find like interesting asymmetric bets and, you know, fun discussion. And it's like a hobby pretty much. It's like, you know, you fuck around, play around with these things. Good time. Um, and it keeps your mind sharp. It keeps you thinking about new things and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it's not just a, but, but for sure, like you're on the far end of the risk curve, you're in casino land in crypto. And that's just what it is. And you're going to lose some money sometimes. Like I lost probably like, I don't know, a quarter mil or more on uh, when Voyager stock went to zero as an example. So like that's an example of a loss. Um, and so, yeah, I, there's definitely some things I lost money on last season for sure that I didn't sell early enough or whatever. So, yeah, you, I, I've, I've seen I probably lost more money than most people have had um, <laughs> in many instances. Like so um, if yeah, you're playing in stocks maybe. and stuff. I lost half that in the, uh, the Voyager shit. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've lost like, I've lost. Definitely lost part of me. Yeah. It's not like I haven't lost things, um, you know, playing around, but at the same time, it's like by loss at the same time, it's not exactly correct. Cause that's not how much cash I put into it. It mooned. And then, you know, like I didn't take profit and it, you know, went to zero quite literally. Um, <laughs> like, so that was an example of like, you know, a, not a great, you know, series of decisions. But again, I didn't know that like, they were going to fucking lend out a gajillion dollars to three hours capital and they'd lose it all. So what are you going to, what are you going to do? Um, you know, sometimes you don't have the, the, the correct knowledge about that particular player. Right. So you like, you just don't know, but anyway, yeah, that's the, the kind of, and nobody knew how much leverage was actually pumped into the system with Genesis and, and uh, FTX and all the other players who were wrecking everything. Right. So it wasn't entirely Voyager's fault. It wasn't entirely three hours capital's fault. Um, to be fair, a significant part of it was Sam Bankman's Fried's fault, actually, like <laughs> sort of like crashing the market. But you know, it would have happened anyway. It just like there was too much leverage in the system, right? And that leverage is going to unwind at some point. It just happened to be um, on you know his fuckery that sort of like was the sort of straw that broke the camel's back. But it was going to break. That's what you we know now that that was true, right? Like there was way too much fake money in the system leverage on top of leverage on top of leverage. And that was driving the prices of things to things that were not real. And um, it's going to happen again this season too. I, you know, it happens because here's how it works. Like someone will be like, oh, I've got some Ethereum. I'm doing fine in that. I'm going to go borrow off Ethereum. You know, I'm going to take a loan on Aave or whatever. They're going to take that money and they're going, oh, I'm going to get a 5X leverage buy on Chainlink on, um, I don't know, like KuCoin or something. And then they'll make some money off of that. And then they'll have more cash. And then they'll take that cash and they'll leverage on something else. And like, you know, and so like everything sort of like 
just keeps pumping and pumping. And then without um, ever unwinding that first position. Yeah. Maybe the first position never unwinds or like maybe the second position doesn't unwind. Who the hell knows? Um, you know, cause you borrow this money over here and then, you know, you can get another LTV over there and borrow more money. So the pe yeah, people do some wacky ass degen shit and it was done at scale last season. I mean, like if you look at what three arrows was doing, if you look at what, um, Genesis was lending out, um, and their, their bankruptcy now, of course, is a headwind for Bitcoin right now. Um, if you look at FTX and Alameda were doing, I mean, there was a lot of shenanigans going on, right? It wasn't exactly like... Um, so all that was going to flush out somehow. It just like, what's the domino that falls that knocks it all down? Because the, the moment some of those groups were going to take profit, um, you were going to get wrecked. And instead, like, um, and even Galaxy Digital selling at some of those tops led to some of the crash as well. So yeah, as those like early players uh, sell, and we all know that like the amount of liquidity, actual liquidity in the markets, maybe 10% of the market cap or something like that, the exit liquidity. I mean, honestly, the exit liquidity is something like, I don't know, the market cap of probably Tether and maybe like Circle and a few other, maybe double that or something, right? There's not that much exit liquidity um, available. Uh, just, you know, you know, a half trillion dollars in cash sitting somewhere for everyone to exit. So when everyone rushes for the exits and leverage runs for the exits, you're going to get a, a dump. And this is how you get the 90% retracements and whatnot, um, because it's just not real. Like none of it's, it's just a house of cards always. Even now it's a house of cards. Forget about when it's at the top of a bull market. Um, bear markets find their sort of valuation and liquidity and depth gets built up during the bear market to the point where, okay, everyone can agree that, okay, this is the floor. And then everyone starts pumping with leverage again, right? That's how it works. Um, so, and then there comes a point where it's like, it's not worth shorting it on leverage either because the market's down too far. So those people disappear as well. That's why volumes drop off. There's not very many longs. There's not very many shorts and you get this bear market for a year and a half, two years or whatever. And it, it's going to happen again. It's coming. And I don't know how much of that's going to be driven by eigenlayer and restaking and all sorts of other shenanigans too. I'm not sure, but like there, I saw some statistics that like the amount of, uh, liquid staked coins all over the landscape is rising right like you have stride on cosmos and whatever else that's why i'm steering clear of all that shit this season you know what like i'm out of that shit fuck that i'm not gonna like I like like with Chainlink, i have a system that's not leverage bound nearly as much yeah you might pump with leverage but it's not the same um you don't have the same types of like um layer one uh liquidity fragmentation problem uh, with something like Zephyr, it's a micro cap. Nobody gives a shit about it. So if they, like it pumps, great. Um, it probably will because it's just a micro cap, and so I don't have to worry. And it's not contingent on anything. There's no, there's almost nobody taking leverage to buy Zephyr, for example. So you know, these are like, and then same with Kajira. It's like a nascent early system with you know not much happening yet. So I've ba basically taken like taken on risk in systems that I feel like are early or simple story or i like the project and is not nearly as susceptible to the shenanigans that we've seen that's kind of my thesis for the my picks i think if i look at it it's like my picks have a lot to do with my psychology i think at this moment <laughs> it's really what it is hey mayor what's up man it's a good psychology i will say that Hey, Seth, I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna find out soon enough, I guess, in this next year. <laughs> if anything I'm saying makes any sense, or I'm just an idiot. Have you uh, we'll find have out. you talked about Chainlink at all, or I haven't? 
Yeah, yeah, we covered it a bit. Do you have some questions about it? Or? <laughs> I don't think we stopped talking yeah, about it. I, I, yeah, I saw, we covered a lot. I saw you've been. It's got the best chart out yeah, there right now. What's so the reason? It's going to gig a pump. Is there a reason for the move, or like, is this just? I I have. Um, I mean, it's a it's a mixture of things. It's it's really like the fundamentals are good. All the news coming out of Chainlink is good, and what you're basically seeing is like people digesting that news over the past several months also it's had a very good pretty consolidation chart um its bitcoin chart looks good its dollar chart looks good because everything looks so pretty it has like you know chart meme effect at this point so traders are going to be attracted just because the trade looks excellent um yeah outside of any kind of but no has any fundamental change between now and like i don't know last september no yeah, not really i think it, um, it looks like it wants to get ready to run i mean it's it's up over 25 oh yeah so no it's got a great no look at the btc um so the the link btc chart basically shows a big um uh inverted head and shoulders pattern over the course of two years. So it's like you formed a small cup, big cup, right? Deeper one, and then a small cup, right? And you the little W pattern or whatever you call it. Uh, well, no, inverted head and shoulders is what it looks like. And it and it basically is now at uh, FIB level on the BTC chart. So it breaks that sort of resistance. That happens to coincide, coincide with right around this price, like 19, 20 bucks. Um, so some years? Yeah, that's a that's a yeah, it's a pattern that played out over the last two years. Yeah, off the BTC period. What the hell kind of time horizon do you have, man? Like, <laughs> well, on the big, well, just stick to a fucking four-hour chart, man. What the hell? <laughs> um, no, but over the long term, you have this gigantic, beautiful pattern. That's my point. That's why it's going to moon now. Like it's had its chance to consolidate. It's had its chance to like do all that. So, it, since it looks pretty on the dollar chart, it looks pretty on the Bitcoin chart. There is like no excuse to not trade this thing at this point. So yeah, what's going to happen? Yeah, the, the traders the, are going to be like, "I'm in." The volume, the volume on the sell side, it's like if if the Minimum. sellers haven't gotten flushed out, the sellers got flushed out already, right? Yeah. Like, not only that, but you're noticing the price is rising on relatively low volume, which is a good sign too. It means like not a lot of people are exiting. They're just sort of like it's just going up on buyers probably. And I think like yeah, it like if you look at volumetric resistance, it comes in at like maybe. I think $27 and there's like a fib at 32. I think it runs, I'm guessing it runs at 32 relatively quickly. Um, Chainlink has never stayed at the $21 level for very long. So it has a very right, short right. volume resistance there. So I think it runs probably straight through and goes to 31-ish. So um, not only that, but think about it. If you're taking leverage now, you're probably in it for like a 2X at least. And um, that's what where you get to from here to about 30, you know, like 15 to 31 or whatever. So I think yeah. you're mathematically I remember, and yeah. the psychology remember, looks uh, about right. Tendermint Timmy, like this is this is like one of his favorites. Chain yeah, link. Timmy's Timmy's been more chain link hardcore than I have been, but he's yeah. but yeah. He uh, told me he told me when it was single digits, he's like, this this is a once like you're not going to get this chance maybe again. He's like, now yeah, I mean, I, time. No, now I bought it time. all the way down to like I bought it all the way down to like six bucks during the bear market though, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got like I got in early too, last, but that's that good. was last year, June, July of last mm -hmm. year. Yep, last year, was, that was tough. That was tough because I'm. It's mm -hmm. like, wait, Timmy said that last year. Yeah, yeah, Timmy was all over Chainlink. Yeah, um, and now I didn't know he didn't really go into the deep dive of why. I didn't really ask him. I should have, um, but um, I know now why it's why it's going to do really well this year. I mean, basically at this point, like the the amount of FUD available against Chainlink, the only thing you could argue is like. 
the link token is going to be sold by Sergey and company for, you know, like some of their resources. But that, but the amount of selling is not that different from like I don't know, like let's say, the amount of selling that Link is doing is less than the inflation from a Cosmos chain. Let's put it that way. So like, you know, yeah. and and so many of these chains have like team tokens and whatever that with more allocation. Like look at like look at Say Network and Tia and whatever. They have really shitty tokenomics as far as like distribution. I mean, Jesus Christ, like Chainlink's better than those are even. And like at a 50% team allocation or 45%, the other ones are like 80% and all these other BS numbers. So I, just, I found yeah. I found a good website for token unlocks. Um, and, and they, oh, really? What's yeah. It called? It's token.unlock.app. Interesting. Okay. And it's, it's, it's really clean and it's, they've got, um, do they do like notifications and shit on there too? Yeah. Yeah. You can do Ooh, notifications nice. and, and you can set it to where the, this, if you want it, um, it's got tokens apply, it's got market cap, but it, it's got the most, which one is the most going to be the soonest token unlock? Like Tia is not until the end of this year. Um, they're, they're unlocks and we're talking about team allocations and when, you know, right. cer- certain tokenomics you know the team takes 10 percent or five percent or whatever the team allocation is or you know 20 percent. this 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 website tracks it i mean i i found it through another uh, youtube influencer but it, i mean I, I it says it's all on-chain data so it says yeah um, makes, be- best token unlock schedule tokenomics data is seen here i didn't do that much deep dive on this website but mm-hmm. i would think that it's, they're just pulling it from on-chain um yeah and it's yeah it's token dot unlocks with an s unlocks with an s dot app very nice yeah that could be useful um if people have like i don't have too many things that have a lot of unlocks and stuff at the moment uh chainlink has like scheduled selling i believe so they just they sent some to binance just this last week i think and Every time that happens, there's FUD. Oh, no, Sergey's dumping on us, so the price isn't going to go up or whatever. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's a $10 billion market cap. It's not like it's been doing poorly. Um, over, like, if you look at crypto as a whole, to be anywhere near this level after this many years is a pretty good track record. Um, and to have the really good conferences, really large dev team, and be building like some of the, the widest scale projects on the planet as far as like aspirations. Um, I mean, you're basically betting that the money that you're financing as a token holder, like you're basically financing operations as a token holder, right? That's what you're doing. You're investing in the, you know, Chainlink, essentially the company. And you're hoping that developers build more utility for Link and develop more reasons why the token number go up, right? And they've been doing a good job at accomplishing that. So unlike a lot of projects, at least your money has somewhere that it seems like it has something to show for it. I don't know the details about their business and their practices and what they sell and what they don't, what they spend it on. And is it even useful or what? Cause we don't have like a prospectus about the company and what they use it for. Right. At least I don't know. Maybe they, maybe there is one, but I haven't read it. I don't really care. At the end of the day, it's like when new newbies show up during a bull market, they don't give a shit about any of that. All they want, all they care about is this number going up. Is there a narrative? Does this look like an interesting, useful project? And the reality is like the nuances of the BD stuff and how much money the, companies sending or spelling or whatever i mean spending or whatever they're not going to notice all that so i feel like narrative wise um you can get a good run and what i mentioned earlier today was that like you know even cosmos chains have inflation they have teams with high allocations you have proof of work chains that have 
high, you know, early proof of work chains that have high token emissions, like a Zephyr, for example, every chain has their sort of like expense, right? Um, and Link's token supply is fixed, but they use some of the team token supply for funding operations, but they don't have the cost of funding a validator network, for example, right? It's not like Adam where like, you know, yeah. you suffer from the validators or whoever's selling all the, all the time. They're not running the chain, so, that's for sure. Yeah, they're not having to run a chain or anything. So like they don't have to pay that. And then the future node networks that they're building are going to be like uh, benefiting the link stakers. So they're creating like utility for the token and stuff. And I think they're going in the right general direction. Maybe I'm just, I drank the Kool-Aid too much. And for, for disclosure, I have a gigantic bag of chain link now. So uh, I've definitely drank too much of their Kool-Aid. Um, and so like do your own research as far as like those those issues or what have you. But I don't think all that matters. I'm not trying to, if you, you can easily right curve your way, I can see some of the people on Twitter right curving their way out of buying it or like owning it because they're like, oh, yeah. you know, Sergey's just going to dump on me. And these are people that probably bought it 40 bucks and now they're at five, you know, they went down to five and they probably sold and they're, you know, on the way down and are salty about it. Maybe lost a lot of money. And that, that, I, that could be understood. Did you, did um, you see Stride took off today and yesterday? No, I didn't. What happened to it? I mean, I think it's be, to start running. They are just released STTA. So, Liquid Stake Tia and DYDX, and they announced like a really generous um, incentive for people to Liquid Stake Tia. And it ever since then, it was announced last week. Like it's 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 up like thirty percent. So hmm. I found that interesting that you you know to bring that up because I was looking at the Tia um, at the charts for Tia, and I was thinking what Sethi was speculating against with Link and with Zephyr is that it ran up too fucking fast. And my thinking is that it's like, you know what, it's going to fucking dump. And if it Which dumps, one? that's Which not one are you good. talking about? Uh, Tia, uh, for Celestia. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. And if that's, the, if that's the gambit, then, you know, it's not good for any LSD for that, you know, for that token. So right. the best way to, you know, probably save it is to like, you know, try and incentivize holding it you know, through its uh, its bear market sideways, uh, you know, run while everything else runs against it is yeah. kind of what I've been observing. What you have to remember is I think a lesson here is that stuff that runs a little bit off cycle, like maybe it runs way before everything else, um, maybe tops out and needs to retrace, may or may not catch the same amount of bid during the full bull market. This happened to Chainlink, in fact, last time. 2021 Chainlink peaked because it had already run from like, I don't know, 50 cents to $50 or whatever. Obviously it's going to eventually dump. And the second Bitcoin pump, you know, the first pump, it popped out Chainlink and the second pump Chainlink did not even make it to the same level as BTC. And uh, it bled against BTC that second round and everyone was pissed about that. They're like, Oh, Sergey's dumping on us. And maybe Sergey was dumping on you. That's quite possible. That was part of the sell pressure. But the point is like, it didn't pick up a bit at that point for some reason because people moved on to other like ideas. But at that time, everyone was just like going berserk and whatnot, like buying all sorts of shit coins and garbage at the point. And then it, we had a gigantic crash and um, you know, and then a lot of the flow was probably going into Luna at the time before it's crash um, and that pumped and everything. So like Chainlink wasn't deemed to be sort of like the, the best horse in the race. Same thing could happen now is like, if you have a bunch of stuff run early, um, and it goes to like 
inconceivably high market caps and getting closer to sell pressure. Let's say Celestia is a good example. Whatever Celestia is going to do, it needs to do this year because next year everyone's going to be wondering like, hey, wait, like maybe the, they're going to dump on me. And that's going to be a headwind for people that want to invest at least big money. And, you know, and then on top of that, there could actually be selling pressure. And on top of that, you could be getting closer to sort of some kind of, you know, bear market or something like that at some point and which at which point like you know is this still going to run or not so early runners be careful yeah um, yeah for sure you know if you've made if you've made 10 or 20 x's on something um <laughs> you know or do you need the thousand x yeah. or are you just getting yeah. greedy you gotta take That's some off the top yeah you have to decide what that means to you basically hey madman man, do you do any DeFi over on solana at all just curious no, no, I do not. It it's not IBC. I'm IBC only. Okay, okay. I've been messing around a little bit on on Solana. I will state though that since the proposal on Capital uh, on Solid, uh, formerly known as Capital, I may be opening my. Uh, you know, it's kind of a, It's it's rather silly. I have like a rather large airdrop um, on the Pyth network, uh, you know, sitting there waiting for me, just okay. you know, looking yeah. like a, a Dave Chappelle, Rick Jane, just come to me, you know, just <laughs> throwing its fingers at me and you know, just saying, come, but I haven't, I haven't touched it. But you did, you did claim it, right? You've got it. So No, no. I, I just, I just looked at it just to see what I could get. I, I, you should claim I that said, fifth. You it. should claim that fifth. I probably should. My mortgage says I should probably claim that. Yeah, <laughs> claim it. Like, it's, it's money on the table, right? I thought run with chain link though, it's because these sectors, it. it's like a sector place. So it'll tend to run with link. If link runs, it'll run too. Yeah, for definitely. Uh -huh. Or it's, I mean, it's Oracle. So, you know. It's interesting that because outside of this, uh, this conversation i was looking at you know ever since i wouldn't say like ever since but like just prior to um the total three to btc com uh, comparison i figured to go ahead you know and see what you know what solana would look like against pith and yeah i'm, I'm thinking maybe you know what there's probably a good gamble there i just haven't pulled the trigger i know that i got like till the 18th to like pull the trigger to do something What's the market cap on Pith now? Good question. Uh, Hold on, I can tell you. Yeah. So you 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 have till the eighteenth of is it February or March? Like, is there uh, a deadline? Or, yeah, February. you definitely definitely don't want to just let that go. I would Hold think on. that I would think that Solana versus Pith. I think Pith would probably have the bigger upside. Um, especially running into a chain link run that looks like it's about to happen. So yeah, I think that's probably the 10 better. 10 billion gamble. supply, 1.5 billion circulating. So I'm not yeah. sure, how, you know, it's what pretty. is vesting, how long. What's, the, what's the market cap on that? 701. I got 697. Fully, di uh, fully diluted, we're looking at uh, 4.65 billion. But currently, six ninety-seven million. Yeah, about seven hundred million market cap on Pith. Um, the reason I asked that is because I'm, that's. What I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure the tokenomics of that and everything, of whether that's a good, like, long-term hold or what exactly. But I didn't really research it much. 
Yeah, so I'm taking some of that fifth airdrop and I'm using it to to just farm a little bit over in Solana DeFi, just getting my my toes toes a little wet with uh, their uh, well the the Jupiter Exchange did their big airdrop just this uh, last week, but there's also another place that you can LP and so you can um, get some decent rewards. So, but I don't mess around that much over there. Guys, sorry to cut this short, but I'm going to, I need to hop off to uh, join the family for dinner here. All right, uh, We might catch up later. Yeah, All right. take care, man. Alright, have a good day everybody. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt We rape them under the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and plate Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless Trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets Dead ends dragging out the max amount of payments down days, got them acting all bankless. Yo, fam, what? Check these tokenomics. They probing this bear, flexing broken honest. I had to lay my soul down. I'm just roasting knotters, and then to end a long day, 11 bowls of chronic. Never known the politic, I was born to frolic. It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot. We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top. We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom. Over the impossible loss, it's all moss, and I'm liking the odds. Fond doing the morning, forming mycological bonds. Flick the cap, yo, the road is highly involved. Flip a coin, diary fall. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy. Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come, first serve mentality. The teeth stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lace Stacked and non-toxic Just to get a better place Smacking on the hostage Like the shit is played for keeps Clowns, white knight, and all these Maybellines They call it implausible When model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your community all these low-hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach, coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers fuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Spaces.